Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Jeremy, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to make an administrative decision. We're going to do that song at the end as well. Is that okay? I hope there was no band members that has an awesome solo in the last song you were going to do. But we're going to do that song. It's amazing, that song, because, um, and I wish, I kind of wish they would change the words to, um, instead of we trust in our God, it should say when we trust in our God, we will not be shaken. Uh, and it's so true. It's so true. Um, it's, when the, it's when we trust in God that we're not shaken, but uh, the song goes so well with our message today, and the message I feel like God is, uh, has, has brought uh, for us today. We're starting a series in the book of James, and I want to tell you a little bit about James before we dive into the text of the scripture. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James. James is toward the, the back of the New Testament. If you have your Bible or, your, or you can on your phone or whatever, you can go there. Um, I do encourage people uh, who come to the church regularly and, and those even who visit uh, to bring your real Bible, bring your actual Bible that you can touch and feel, and, and also a notebook. A notebook would be great that you can take notes. That's what I do. That's what I do. When I go to another church, I always take a notebook and I take notes down. And, and I think it, what it does is it, it, um, it enriches um, what we've heard. I don't know if you know this or not, but by Tuesday, uh, you'll forget about 92% of what you've heard today. Uh, and by Thursday, you'll forget where you were Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, that's why I encourage people to take notes. You can look back and see things and, and get those things. These things are also available online too, by the way. The messages are available online. We have an app you can download. We also, you can get them online. We usually post that on our Facebook page on Monday or Tuesday. You can go on there to listen to everything I'm saying right now. It'll all be on there. You can go back and take notes if there's something you missed or something like that. So I do want to talk to you a little bit about the book of James though. And so it's interesting. The book of James is an interesting book because here's the kicker. I know that you may not realize this, but the, new, the, the books of the scriptures aren't necessarily in chronological order. All right. They don't go in chronological order, especially the New Testament. They don't go in the order which they were written, written so to speak. And so you may be surprised to, to hear this. The book of James was actually the first book written in the New Testament. It's actually the first book written in the New Testament. It was written, get this, it was written about 15 years, they approximate around between 13 and 15 years of, uh, after Jesus uh, died and rose again, about 13 to 15 years. And so they estimate that it was written around 45 uh, AD, around in that, in that period. And there's some interesting things about James. He's an interesting guy. The first thing is that he was Jesus' brother. He was Jesus' brother is who James was. The second thing about James was this, get this, he was Jesus' brother, but he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah until after Jesus rose again. He didn't believe. As a matter of fact, you may be shocked to hear this, the majority of Jesus' family did not believe that he was the Messiah until after, after he rose 
again, maybe that'll encourage some of you guys who have family members that have seen maybe your change. And I know for me, I had I, I started changing, and some of my family members, you know, our family members, they they think they know us the best, and so oftentimes they're the last people that believe that you actually have made a change in your life. They're the last ones that you can kind of. Um, convinced that you've made a change in your life. And that's how it was for Jesus. As a matter of fact, there's a text in the scripture that says this. It says that when, whenever Jesus began his ministry, that Jesus's family, and James is one of these people, Jesus's family actually went to Jesus and said, hey man, you've got to stop this. You can't, you're, you're causing a big scene here. You've got to stop doing this. You know, we can't, we can't have you doing this what you, you're, you're talking like a madman here. And Jesus was like, who, who is my brothers and sisters? My brothers and sisters are those who believe. That's what he said. And so James was a brother of Jesus, and he did not believe until after the resurrection of Christ. James was one of the ones that were there at the ascension of Christ. He was there when Christ ascended into heaven. And he was one of the ones, if you look in the book of Acts chapter 1, he was one of the ones that went back, James went back to the upper room area where they would meet. And he began meeting, and he began to be one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. As a matter of fact, he was right under Peter in the Jerusalem church, is who James was. And soon... James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so his main focus his whole life was to minister to, he was ministering to those people that were formerly Jewish but had converted over to Christianity. Now, it's interesting too, the book of James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a book of sayings. The Proverbs are a book of sayings. And it's wisdom sayings from Solomon. It's very wise things that Solomon had to say, and it was written down in this book, all these things that he said. And James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. As a matter of fact, on the video we showed right before this, on the bumper video, a lot of those things are common things that we memorize. As a matter of fact, the majority of signs that you see, like in Hobby Lobby, <laughs> the majority of, of, of Christianity art, the majority of those things, a lot of those things are taken from the book of James. And so as we go through the book of James, you're going to actually hear a lot of verses. You're going to go, oh, I've heard that. Even if you've never opened the Bible in your life, you're going to go, oh, I've heard that. Now, I want to tell you something. James is not writing to people that are not already saved. His, you know, some, some things, some, sometimes they, the, the, the author is writing to people that are both saved and unsaved. But James is not that way. James is not writing to people that are not unsaved. He's writing to people that are saved. This book is for people that are already followers of Jesus. And I want to tell you something. I want to give you a little warning. He is straight forward. He is. He doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't beat around the bush. He is straight. James is the kind of guy that would come up and punch you right in the forehead. <laughs> That's just who he is. He is absolutely straight forward in the book. And I want to talk, tell you some things here. I want you to listen to this. Do you lack faith? Well, James has something to say about that. Do you lack 
wisdom. Well, James has something to say about that. Are you rich or are you poor or are you in the middle? Well, guess what? James has something to say about that. Are you in the middle of going through a trial? Are you in the middle of going through a tough time, a trial? Can I tell you something? James has something to say about that. Are you being tempted? Are you being tempted by something? Is there something, is there some temptation that you continually fall into, that you continually give yourself over to? Can I tell you something? James has something to say about that. Are you having trouble doing what God says for you to do? Are you having trouble being obedient? Are you having trouble doing what God asks you to do? Guess what? James has something to say about that as well. Do you have anger issues? Do you guys have anger issues? Is there anyone here that has an anger issue? Can I tell you something? James has something to say about that. Do you have trouble controlling that thing that's right under your nose? Do you have trouble controlling that thing? Do you have trouble controlling that thing right there? Do you have, do you struggle? Do you, you guys ever, 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 is there not a filter between your brain? There's supposed to be a filter right in around your nose area between your brain and your mouth. Do you, do you guys, did that filter get flown away? Did, did God forget to install that filter? Guess what? James has something to say about that. Do you feel like you're being pulled into the mess of the world? Like when you get on social media and you see some posts and you're like, oh, I don't agree with that. And you find yourself after two hours of scrolling through going, man, I'm in a bad mood and I want to punch somebody and this is terrible and the world's awful and everybody's going to hell. <laughs> Do you feel like that? Do you feel like you're being pulled into that? Can I tell you something? James has something to say about that too. Do you struggle with judging other people? Do you struggle with judging other people? Well, James has something to say about that. Are you chasing money more than holiness? Guess what? James has something to say about that. Do you, and this is, I, know, I know no one here does this, but I'm sure there's other people in other churches somewhere. Do you lack patience? Do you like patience? Well, James has something to say about that. And finally, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? How, how is it? How, how's your prayer life? Well, can I tell you something? James has something to say about that too. And right now you're thinking, well, James got something to say about everything, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he kind of does. He kind of does. And I'll tell you, for me, for me, James has been, um, it is my, uh, one of my most favorite books of the scriptures, and, and I can read it because here's the reason I love it. Because when I was a new believer in Christ, this book that we're going through is about practical living, okay? There are not, there are some, but there's not a lot of deep theological, you know, when you read the book of John or, or you read various things that, that Paul wrote, sometimes you have to kind of pull back the onion. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to pull back, you got to keep pulling back to get to the root cause. That's not how James is. It's pretty clear, straightforward, practically. It's given straight out in a practical way, which is why we call the series Practical 
living. So let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And I'll start reading. It says this. It says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Christ Jesus. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings, dear brothers and sisters. And I love it because he starts, dear brothers and sisters. And it's like this. Here's why he does that. Dear brothers and sisters, he reminds them, hey, man, hey, my friend. You guys ever had someone that's going to tell you something bad or tell you something negative about yourself? You know how they always start? They always come and they always say, hey, man, can I talk with you? Oh, man. And then what they do is, is they butter you up and then they go pop you in the head. You know what I'm saying? You guys ever had that? You know, you, you give, give them a little sugar before you give them a little, a little something salty. That's what James is doing when he says to your brothers and sisters. It says this, brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Well, that's where we're going to stop today. What is he talking about here? He's talking about, as it says, when troubles come our way. How many people love when trouble comes your way? How many just like, yes, that's me. I love it, man. I thrive in it. I love it. I love when trouble comes my way, man. Bring on more trouble. How many people says that? No one says that. No one says that. What is he trying to teach us here? I thought and thought and thought this week and prayed and prayed and prayed this week about how I could express what he's trying to say. And I thought of a great analogy. And it's this. How many people have ever tried to run? All right. And I'm not talking about run to the buffet or run away from a monster. I'm talking about how many people have actually said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start running. I'm going to start running. How many people have ever done that? You can raise your hand. Yep. Me too. Same way. Same way. So someone just went, eh, kind of. Can I tell you guys something? When you first start running, I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about like after you've been doing it a couple of weeks. I'm talking about that first run. It feels like every force in the pit of hell is coming against you all at once. Are you with me? It feels like your feet are going to break off it feels like that your lungs are going to explode. And what really, if you really want to get ticked off, go over to the Peachtree City place where a bunch of people run and try to start running for the first time. Do you know what will happen to you? You're going to see people smiling as they run. And I started running over there one day, and I started running. I actually got lost and ended up doing six miles. When I say I did six miles, I did about a half a mile, and I drugged my tail all the way around the rest of the city because I didn't know how to get back. All right? But get this. When you go over and start running, there's people actually smiling. And you're going to want to stop them and choke them completely out and say, what are you smiling about? You're also going to be thinking this. As you start running, you're going to gonna, gonna think, how in the world do people actually enjoy this horrific situation that I find myself in. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see that. And it's going to go over and over again. You're going to be running. I'm talking about you feel like everything within you is going to absolutely die. 
and you started running because you have a friend that told you this, and this is so satanic, I love running. How can you love running? I mean, how can you love running? But can I tell you something? After you get that first one passed and you stop and you can breathe again, you go again the next time. There's something that happens between the first run and the second run. Somewhere in there, you forgot how bad the first run was and you go to the second run. And the second run is almost as hard, but not quite. And then the third run that you do, you forget again, and then you go again, and it's not quite as hard. And then you begin to build up, and you build up. And suddenly, when you could just run, you know, from there here to the door, all right, you could run there. Now you could run a mile. It's like, wow, I can run a mile. And then all of a sudden, you start running, and, and, and it's like a mile and a quarter, and then a mile and a half, and then two miles, and then two and a half miles, and then three miles. And suddenly you start being the one that's smiling when you're running. Now, let me tell you something. It's very difficult at the beginning. Get this. Can I tell you one of the, and this is a sad statement of the church, by the way. One of the, one of the times that I have seen people with the most joy, with the most euphoria and joy is I was in Nashville and I was finishing up my one and only half marathon. When I see I was finishing up, I was dragging tail about the last four miles, literally, just pulling myself, just like this, all right? I was holding Wendy back. I was finishing it up, though, and I turned the corner and I spotted the finish line And for me, it was like a band of angels were there flapping their wings. It was like, oh, it was a God moment. But can I tell you something? Once those people were done, once those people were done, I started looking around and people had this overwhelming sense of joy. They had just went through something that was very difficult but out the other end of it, it was joyous. Man, I've been following Connor and Andy Stinson. They, they did something crazy on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If you notice Connor walking like he's 78 years old, that's why. Um, he's a little stove up, is what my dad would say. Um, but they ran, how far was it? 200 and, 208 miles. Now, they didn't all do it. I know everybody's like, ran 208 miles. Um, but what they did is called a relay. And they have a team, and they run various sections of the relay. And so what was the longest you had to run? Uh, my longest leg was five and a half miles. Five and a half miles was his longest leg. But let me say something. He wasn't running on flat ground, all right? He was running on hills. As a matter of fact, Andy Stinson's last two miles were a 12% upgrade all the way up the hill. At the end, you tell me those race people, you tell me they're not from Satan, man. At the end, that's what they put at the end, okay? But... They were so tired, and I was, I was following the post as I followed along. Can I tell you guys something? In the midst of it, it was very difficult. As a matter of fact, I talked to Connor, and I texted back and forth, and he said, hey, man, this thing is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It is. And I think if we're being honest, our lives, I think if you're being honest, you would say this. This thing, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It is. It's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It's a lot more difficult. But can I tell you something? 
There is such euphoria at the end. How did it feel, Andy, when you got done, man? Awesome. It sure did. It felt incredible. Well, what allowed him to do that? What allowed him to do that? Let me tell you what allowed him to do that. And I know this about him. Andy gets up a lot during the week, and he runs four or five miles. You know, he runs it consistently. Okay, that's what he does. Now, when he first started doing that, he hated it. He didn't come out of the block running five miles. He started slow, and, he, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and longer and longer and longer. Let me, let me say something to you. We're going to break down this text, and I want to show you exactly what James is talking about. And I think you're going to see his point here by the end. Here's the first thing he says. Even starting in the first verse, he says this, we are all foreigners, is what he says. That's basically what he said. He said, the letter is written uh, from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, I am writing to the, in quote, the 12 tribes all over the place. We are all foreigners. What does that mean? Well, he's saying this. Listen, guys, I want you to know something. We don't belong here. We're living in a place where we're not supposed to fit in. We're living in a place where we're not supposed to fit in. And furthermore, our faith is not in this world. James is saying our faith isn't in this world. And so I want you to understand something. Our faith is not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be heavenly faith, not, not, not earthly faith. Our faith is so I want you to right from the get-go, I want you to understand some of what James is saying. He starts his book out by saying this. I want you to know something. If you feel uncomfortable here on earth, you're supposed to. I want you to know that from the get-go. You're foreigners. Because you've given your life over to Christ, because you have now identified with Christ in heavenly places, because you are now a citizen of heaven, from the moment you gave your life to Christ forward, you now become a foreigner. And you're not going to always fit in with the things on earth. Here's the second thing he says. Trouble will come your way. Dear brothers and sisters, when, not if, not, you know, maybe it will, when troubles come your way, is what he says. Troubles will come. Do you know this? Most of us, if we're honest, we're either either going into a crisis in the middle of a crisis, or coming out of a crisis at most times in our life. Because it seems to me that once that crisis gets by and you're coming out of that, it doesn't take very long until that next crisis in our life to come about. Now you have a chance and you have a choice. You can live your life from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, and you can go through and you can be tossed about. You can, be, you, can, you can go through from chaos to chaos to chaos to chaos, and I know people that do that. Or you can do what he says to do here. And here's the next thing. It's an opportunity for great joy when you face these troubles. Now, how can it be? How can that be? How can it be an opportunity? How can it be? Here, let me tell you how. Just like when I was learning to run. Just like when I was learning to run. I began and it was hard. And I started running and it was difficult, man. It was hard. And I had a choice. I could stop and go back to the car, head straight to McDonald's and get me a chocolate shake and head home. I could do that. Or I could see exactly what all this stuff was about. I could continue on. 
I could have a better attitude and I could continue on and I could allow it, listen, I can allow it to grow me. Now, let me be honest with you about something. The majority of people that I know in their Christian walk, they never get past this point. They don't. They never grow past this point. They never develop the deep joy that we're to have in our faith. They never get past this point. Why is that? Because, I want you to get this, they don't allow themselves to go through the pain. Write this down somewhere. Pain teaches you. Pain is a teacher. Troubles in your life are teachers. Going through pain is a teacher. What most of us do, instead of going through the pain, what most of us do is we have some mechanism that's set up to alleviate the pain quickly so that we never experience going through it. And if you wonder why there's a lot of people that follow Jesus but never deepen their faith, it's because they won't allow themselves to go through the pain in order to get to the other side where they can look back and they can see growth. There are people all over the place that walk into the, to the running shoe shop downtown Noonan. Maybe they go to the one in, in, in Atlanta. There's people all over the place that start and they go get the shoes and the shorts and the shirt and they run one or two times and they quit and they go on to something else because they say, this isn't for me. What they're really saying is, is I can't really take the pain. I can't get through that pain. But it's an opportunity for great joy. How can that be? Well, you have to go through the pain. And it's hard. But pain teaches us. And that's what James is saying. How can we possibly grow through this pain? Well, he says that next. For you know, when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, it's interesting because the next words he said is this. So let it grow. I want you to understand something. He doesn't say it will grow. He doesn't. He doesn't say it'll grow. He says, so let it grow. So Allow it. Allow it to be an opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth. We all every day have opportunities for growth. We decide whether or not we're going to allow it to grow us. We have opportunities for growth, but we decide whether or not we're going to allow it to grow. How do we decide? Well, we decide it by our attitudes. Our attitudes. We decide it by our attitudes. We decide it by our belief. How are we going to look at the situation? We decide it by our steadfastness. Are we willing to step back up to the plate and continue moving forward? How are we going to do that? We decide it by our focus. Is our focus going to be on us all the time? Is our focus going to always be inward focused? Is that how we're always going to live? Or are we going to be outwardly focused? Are we going to see the bigger picture of what God has? Or are we going to step back and just look at little us and constantly look inward? We have an opportunity for growth, but that opportunity doesn't always come to pass. It's an opportunity, but we have, to, we have to let it grow. You know what we really have to do? We have to get ourselves out of the way. We have to get ourselves out of the way. 
James is saying this. He says, listen, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So let it grow. Can I tell you what Peter ended up doing? Peter ended up in the scriptures in the New Testament. Peter ended up getting out of the way. And he ended up literally dying for Christ. Peter was crucified upside down. Yes, he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was crucified. He was crucified on the cross and he was upside down. Both his legs were up. His hands were at the bottom. That's how he was crucified. And he was crucified that way because he said, no, I have let it go. I, I, I literally have, have, become, have become what he calls here perfect and complete, needing nothing. All he needed was Christ. He finally got it. It wasn't about him. He had to get himself out of the way. And he had to do what we need to do. And that is this, fully rely on who God is. Fully, uh, fully rely on who God is. And I have, a little, I have a little thing I want you to know. I have a little thing I want, to hear, I want you to hear. You can't do that by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. That's why right before Jesus ascended, he said this. He says, I'm going to send you another counselor. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send you another counselor. I'm going to send you someone who will be with you and he will walk with you and he will guide you and direct you and he will be there within you. I'm going to be, he, I will literally be there in form within you and I will direct you and guide you. And that's Holy Spirit. We cannot live this life that he's asked to do without Holy Spirit. There's a song that I love, and I'll close with this. It's by Mercy Me. It's called Jesus Bring the Rain. And I don't know if you've ever heard this song or not, but the song, the song that says, I can count a million times of peeping, people asking me how I can praise you with all that I've gone through. I, can, I literally can count a million times. People keep asking me this, but he says this. He says, the question amazes me. Can circumstances possibly change who I forever am in you? Could it possibly change who I am? Can these circumstances that I have, can these trials that I have, can they not, do they really change who I am in Christ? Can the things that I'm going through right now possibly change that? No, there's no way. And so he says this in the course. He says, bring me joy and peace and a chance to be free. Bring me anything, anything, bad things, good things, whatever. Bring me anything." that brings you glory. One of the problems we have is, is that we don't mind Jesus bringing us stuff as long as we get the glory. You know what I mean? There's a picture that I saw on social media the other day. It was of a guy, he took a selfie, and he was on the beach. He was laying there on the beach taking a selfie, and he had like a little drink in his hand, and he took a selfie, and he was like, oh man, life is good. And then they pulled out from the thing, and he was actually at work. He had just taken his shirt off, and he was laying on a sand pile that he was digging. He wasn't anywhere near the beach. Because why is that? Because we want everyone to think everything's good. Everything's fine. It's all about us. That's what we want. But that's not what Christ wants for you. And that's not who he is in your life. And it says this. It says, and I know there will be days when life brings me pain. But if that, Lord, if, that was, if that's what it takes to praise you, then bring the rain. Bring the rain down to me if that's what it takes. If what it takes is for me to go through those troubled times, then bring the rain down to me. What is James saying? He's saying this, and this is true for me and you. He's saying, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, 
If you want to be someone who is mature in their faith, if you want to grow in your faith, it's not about church attendance. It's not. And it's not about how much you do. It's not. It's not whether you feed the poor. It's, not, it's none of that. We're going to look at that later on. It's none of that. You know what it is? It's whether or not you'll go through the trials and tribulations of the world today and whether or not you'll go through that and allow, with a great attitude, allow Jesus to deepen your faith. When have you grown the most spiritually? When have you been closest to God? I can tell you this. It's probably not when everything's going well, but it's whenever you're going through a trial and you draw close to God and you come out the other side having deepened your faith. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because those trials are an opportunity to deepen your faith. That's what James is saying. Worship team's going to come up and I'm going to pray over you guys and we're going to sing that song one more time. Lord God, thank you for your word. I'm so thankful for the word that you give us today, Lord. Lord, let me be someone who experiences overwhelming joy. Not because everything's great, but because you're great. Not because my life is all going well, because, because it is well with you. Not because... Every plan that I've made and everything that I've laid out has come to fruition. None of that. But because you continue to be who you say you are. And even though there's, there's trials in my life, even though there's, there's pain in my life, even though sometimes things don't always go well, let me be someone and let our church be people that keep a deep-seated joy. Not happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It goes all over the place. A deep-seated joy that says this, no matter what comes, no matter what happens, I will praise you no matter what. God, that's the only way we deepen our faith. We deepen our trust in you when we see you walk us through tough circumstances. It's what David was talking about, Lord, in the psalm, in Psalm 23. And he says, no matter, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. I know you're there. Let us be those kind of people. Let us open up our hearts to the word that James has given. And let us be people that glorify you. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and let's worship God for who he is. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God love others, and live real.